And uh, let's get into the message tonight. Uh, and we're going to begin there in verse 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to begin there in verse 12. This evening we'll finish up, more than likely should finish up uh, this book and then head on into 2 Thessalonians. Um, but we will be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this evening. And now we're going to begin there in verse 12 tonight. And as we ended off last week, uh, we were speaking about, uh, of course, we, we talked about the rapture of the church and then went into some uh, other different things as far as uh, what the Apostle Paul was speaking to the Thessalonians about the day of the Lord and, um, and all the different things that was going to be taking place uh, and how they needed to conduct themselves and all that kind of stuff. And so as we get to verse 12, uh, we're actually going to begin to see how he continues to encourage uh, the uh, the folks that are in the church down here uh, in Thessalonica. And so we begin there in verse 12 as he continues his exhortation uh, to the people. Uh, notice he says there in verse 12, well, let's, let's go jump back up at verse 11. He says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. As also ye do. Uh, and so he says, continue to comfort each other, continue to edify each other, encourage each other, help each other. Uh, he says, in essence, there in verse 11, it's something that you're already doing, uh, but make sure you don't cease. Make sure you don't stop. Make sure you continue to do so. Uh, make sure you continue to encourage each other, continue to help each other, continue to lift each other up. Uh, because I don't know about you, but I'm, sh- I'm sure that things probably haven't changed very much from... Uh, from that time to this time, in the in the understanding that everybody at some point, does regardless of what age that you've lived in, whether you lived two thousand years ago or whether you're in the present day now, uh, everybody needs to be encouraged at some point. Amen. Uh, doesn't matter what time period you're in. Doesn't matter when you grew up. Uh, whether it was a hundred years ago or even now, we all go through some difficult times, and we all need to be comforted. We all need some encouragement. We all need to be edified and built up. Uh, at some point. And so the apostle there in, in verse 11 uh, continues to uh, tell the folks, he says, listen, y'all are doing a great job of edifying each other. You're doing a great job of helping each other. You're doing a great job of encouraging each other. But make sure that you don't stop with that. Keep on doing that. Keep on building each other. Keep on helping each other. Keep on encouraging each other. And as he moves down to verse 12, he says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know, uh, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. And so we see there in uh, verse 12 and 13, he begins to, uh, he, he changes course a little bit as he's continuing to talk about uh, encouraging each other and edifying each other and helping each other there in verse 11. He moves into verses 12 and 13 and encourages the people to make sure that one of the things that they do is that they continue to help and, uh, uh, and honor uh, those that the Bible says there in verse 12, uh, labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And, of course, he would be talking about uh, the uh, elders of the church uh, or the pastors, so to speak, that are, in these, uh, that are in these different churches. And so he tells them in Thessalonica, he says, Now listen, one of the things I want you to make sure that you do is that you edify them too, that you build them up, that you encourage them. Listen, it doesn't matter whether or not you're preaching from the pulpit or you're teaching Sunday school or, uh, or you're uh, sitting out in the, in the pew. It doesn't make any difference where you're sitting. Uh, we all need encouragement. We all need to be edified, and we're all learning. We're all under construction, no matter where you're at uh, in your Christian life. Uh, and so he says, make sure that you continue to do that with each other. Uh, but, he, but he also says there in verse 12, he says, to know them 
uh, which are among you. He has the idea of to recognize or to respect or lift them up or to honor them uh, among yourselves and also among the Lord. Talking about the elders and the leaders of the church, pastors and so, pastors and so forth. Uh, make sure you don't forget them because for what purpose? He says there in verse 12, For they labor among you, they are over you in the Lord, just uh, meaning that you know they are in charge uh, in the church and are um, uh, taking, trying to take care of everybody's spirituality. Of course, there's only so much that anybody can do for each other. Uh, and he says, and admonish you. And so uh, he is trying to instruct them and encourage them uh, to make sure that they uh, don't uh, forget about those that are trying to do everything they can to, uh, to help them as uh, they walk in the Lord, to, how to try to, to help them to grow, to help them to, uh, as the preacher tries to uh, instruct them in the Word of God, and they, uh, and they learn more about the doctrines of, uh, of the Lord uh, and more about the things that God has said in His Word and come to a, a deeper understanding of it. He says, make sure that you're lifting them up. Make sure you're praying for them. Make sure that uh, you're trying to be a blessing to them. Make sure you're honoring them. First uh, Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 the Bible says let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in word and doctrine of course talking about the pastors there he says he says listen you got somebody that's uh, that's uh, doing your church well they're doing the church good and they're and they're leading you and uh, and they're helping you and and you are growing in the Lord and he says listen they're counted worthy of double honor you need to make sure that you uh, that you honor them and that you uh, show them some respect and that you're praying for them and that you're helping them as much as they're trying to help you uh, and so he said he's trying to just encourage everybody to be working together unified and in one accord in verses 11 12 and 13. Uh, and there in verse 13, as he goes through it, he says to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake. Work's sake, talking about the ministry uh, and what they're doing, laboring in the word uh, and feeding the people. And then at the latter, the latter part of verse 13, he says, and be at peace among yourselves. You know, the, the ministry that you have, uh, the ministry that you possess. God's given all of us a ministry. And he says, you know what, not just the ministry that the pastor has or the elders of the church have, uh, but the ministry that you have as well. You know, uh, be at peace with one another, uh, pray for one another, edify one another, help, uh, help one another. Uh, that's how we succeed. Uh, and there in verses 11 to 13, uh, we can see that the Apostle Paul is trying to uh, encourage the folks to make sure that they have a unified front uh, against the devil because he's already noted several times already uh, that they are in a fight and they are in a fight against the devil and he knows that uh, and he's already spoken about that a couple of times as we've went through the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians. He's mentioned Satan twice already uh, and, he's going, uh, and he's going to mention him again. And so uh, he understands that, uh, that God's people are in a spiritual battle and we're in a spiritual battle tonight. God's people are in a spiritual battle and he says, listen, uh, the, the pastor needs to be encouraged and edified and thought of by the people and the people need to be encouraged and edified and thought of by the pastor and everybody needs to be working together in one accord for the common goal for the purpose of, of uh, getting out the gospel and uh, winning souls and making disciples and that's what, that's what it's all about spreading the gospel of Christ and so other people can know the same Jesus that they know uh, and there in verse 14 there's a number of things that he does here in verse 14 he says, now we exhort you, brethren, uh, talking to everyone, talking to the saved. He says, now we exhort you, brethren. I want you to notice there's four things. I'll read through the text and I'll point them out and then we'll go through them. He says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. So that's number one. Comfort the feeble-minded. That's number two. Support the weak. That's number three. 
and be patient toward all men. That's number four. Uh, And so there in verse 14, he tells the brethren to make sure that they do these four things because these four things are vital. Uh, and whenever he speaks about these things, he, uh, the, uh, the Greek narrative as, as, you're, as, as it's being written is uh, being written in the idea that it is uh, being uh, told to soldiers because the Bible says that we are soldiers in Christ. And so as soldiers in Christ, uh, we see that this is being written out as like, a, uh, as like commands to soldiers. And so he says there in verse 14, he says, We, incur, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. So warn as what? You know, we're, as we said, we're talking about soldiers here, soldiers in Christ, soldiers that are fighting on the battlefront for the Lord and, and uh, uh, taking the battle flag forward, fighting the devil, fighting the world, fighting sin, and all these different kinds of things. And so he says, uh, he says there in verse 14, he says, We encourage you, brethren, warn them, warn them that are unruly. And so what does that mean, that those that are unruly? Uh, well, then, just as we have now, uh, you would have uh, folks, maybe even in soldiers, soldiers that uh, they didn't do what they were being asked to do. Uh, they weren't serving like they were asked to serve. They weren't living like they were asked to live, like God said to live. They weren't engaging in, uh, in, in the warfare. Now, imagine this. Now, imagine if you, if you enlisted into the military and there you are, you're now a soldier. Uh, you're a soldier in the military. And the commander-in-chief says that this is what you need to do. Now, we're not talking about the pastor. We're talking about the Lord. The commander-in-chief says, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to, uh, you need to come over here and you need to do this. You need to come over here and do that, whatever it is. But the soldier looks at the commander and says, you know what? I, really, I think you got a great idea, but, you know, I think I'll pass on that. Well, let me ask you this. How long do you think that soldier is going to make it in that military service? He's probably not going to make it very long. You probably get away with it more now because the military is a little different. Back then, of course, you peeled potatoes till your fingers fell off, uh, you know, and they did all kinds of other harsh things to you. But today, it's a little bit more softened. Uh, but what, what we understand is, is that a soldier who belongs in, uh, who is, uh, belongs to the military, as he is given a command by his commander or chief, is expected to do uh, what is called to be done. And so he's looking. Uh, so when he's talking about those that are unruly, he's talking about, listen, those that are in your company that are saved, but yet they're not obeying the commands that the commanding officer is, uh, is telling them. Uh, they're, they're, they're saved. They're, in, they're, they're, they're a part of your church. They're a part of your congregation, but they're, but they're unruly. They're just disobedient. You know, they know what they're supposed to do, but they're just not, do, not doing what they're supposed to do. They know they should be living for the Lord, but they're not living for God. They know they should be serving God, but they're not serving God. They know they should be engaged in combat, but they're not engaged in any way whatsoever. Uh, and so he says, you know what? The Bible says, you know what, those people, he says they are unruly, unruly, uh, being a, a part of an army, but not being in, not, not uh, serving and not being engaged and uh, not being obedient. I'll tell you what, uh, that right there is, uh, I wouldn't exactly call that the greatest soldier in the world, amen? Uh, and so what we see is, is as the Apostle Paul is talking to the people, he understands, he recognizes that they're all in a fight. We're in a spiritual warfare. We are in a spiritual fight and the devil's on our heels and he's doing everything he can to tear this whole thing up. I mean, we saw in the very first part of Thessalonians when we went to Acts chapter 17, 
We saw how busy the devil was in the town. When revival broke out, the devil did everything he could to stir up people, to, to cause a riot in the streets and drag people out of their homes and, uh, and, and cause a tremendous chaos there in the city. And then we also see how, uh, how the Apostle Paul has mentioned the devil twice already in, uh, in, this, uh, in this short letter talking about how he knows that they are in a fight against the devil. And so he's trying to get the people to understand that, listen, as we fight against the world and as we fight against the devil on this unified front, uh, the people and the pastors and the elders of the churches, they need to make sure that they are encouraging each other and helping each other and edifying each other and honoring each other and respecting each other and loving each other and, and being exactly what the Lord needs y'all to be. That way y'all can be victorious and succeed. What does the Bible tell us? The book of Hebrews, the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Uh, as the manner of some is and so much more to see the day approaching. And so we see that uh, it was even an issue then, folks not being obedient to the Lord, folks not serving God, folks not doing it. This isn't something new. It's been happening for a long time. And so right here, the Apostle Paul, as he addresses the people, he tries to get them to see that, listen, if you're not engaged and you're not in service and you're disobedient to the commands of God and you're not living like you should, then you know what's going to happen? Then you are a disobedient soldier. You are considered unruly in the sight of God. Wow, isn't that something? You're considered unruly. Uh, what does the Bible say to him that knoweth do good and doeth it not? To him it's what? It's sin. Hey, that's all of us. That's from the pulpit to the pew. That's every single one of us. And the Bible says, listen, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you are considered unruly. I tell you what, it's kind of hard for an unruly person to expect God to just continue to dump and pour out his blessings. Amen. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you're constantly unruly to your mom and daddy, mom and daddy don't constantly bless you. You know, what do they do? They take you out to the woodshed and give you some correction, don't they? Uh, and so uh, I think the same goes with our Father in heaven. He shows us that in the book of Hebrews too, uh, that whenever God's people get out of sorts, he takes them behind the woodshed and he said, you know what, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love you, right? He says, listen, you get it because you're, you're, my, you're my sons, you're my daughters, and that's why I bring it to you. Uh, and so we see that, listen, when we're not engaged and we're not in service and we're not living like we should, the Bible says that we are unruly. We are, in essence, in sin. And so he says, I exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Warn them. And so, listen, the warning comes to all of us tonight, every single one of us here this evening. It goes to uh, all the folks that aren't here tonight uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, need to be here. Uh, but it goes to all of us, all of us, that when, when we're unruly in the Lord, uh, that there are things that come our way. And so he says, I encourage you, brethren, warn them to unruly. Now we get to the verse 14 where he says, comfort the feeble-minded. Comfort the feeble-minded. Well, what is that? Well, just as all soldiers do, uh, I'm sure maybe at some point, uh, comfort, uh, we see, uh, you know, sometimes when we are uh, faced. You ever, you ever been in a situation, maybe, uh, maybe you were playing a game. Let's, let's do this. Maybe you were playing a game, and when you were playing the game, let's just say, let's just say you were playing basketball, or it, well, it could be any sport, and the other team came out, and they had like 50 players, and all of them looked like giants. Okay, and here you come walking out, and your players, and you know maybe y'all are like twice as small, and you've only got like fifteen players. Now here you are looking up against the odds, and you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, you look." You begin to look at yourself like uh, like the people did whenever they was getting ready to go into the promised land. They said, "We we look at ourselves as grasshoppers." 
in our own sight. And they began to look at themselves and they began to say, you know what, we, we just ain't got what it takes. And here they are looking at an enemy that is greater. They're looking at an enemy that seems like they are superior in strength. Or they're looking at an enemy that is uh, far uh, more in numbers than they are. And so as they're looking at them, what do you think begins to happen in their hearts and their minds? The same thing that has probably happened to you from time to time. As you look around and you see everything that takes place and it seems like that uh, Christianity is attack on all sides. The church, is, the church is attacked on all sides. Our country is attacked on all sides. And so you begin to look around and you begin to see all the obstacles. You begin to see all the challenges. And you begin to see all the things that you have to face. And you begin to think, man, here we are, just little bitty us. And we're fighting against all of that. How is that even possible? And then you start getting discouraged in your heart. And you start getting uh, discouraged in your heart. And what happens, uh, what happens is... is uh, you need to be uh, encouraged in your life because you start to lose hope. Uh, you become faint-hearted in your life. And, uh, and so we see there in verse 14, uh, when he talks about the unruly, he then goes straight to comfort the feeble-minded, those that are, uh, those that are hurting, uh, those that are uh, losing uh, heart, those that are uh, losing hope, those that need to be encouraged and lifted up and strengthened in their life, uh, these folks that, that they're feeble-minded. Why are they? Why are these folks struggling so hard? Why does he? Uh, why does he mention the feeble-minded second, the unruly first? I think because he's trying to get the the people to understand that. Listen, these folks probably wouldn't be so discouraged if you would actually engage in the battle. Does that make sense? These folks probably wouldn't be so didn't wouldn't feel so helpless and wouldn't feel so burnt out and, and wouldn't feel so bad if you would live like you're supposed to when you would get engaged in the battle when you would serve God like you're supposed to then it wouldn't be so much for them. Amen. Amen. And so he says right there he says he mentions the unruly first because that's one of the first things he needs to take care of before he mentions the rest of them. Uh, he says, listen. Uh, we got these folks that uh, uh, that they're they're feeble-minded. Man, they are uh, they are discouraged in their hearts. They feel weary. They're tired. They're wore out. They're burned up. Uh, and the reason why is is because uh, here they are. They are facing enemies on all sides. They got so much to do and so little hands to do it. The Lord Jesus said Himself, "The harvest truly is plenteous, but the what? The labors are few." And so, uh, this is something that is not new, uh, has gone on for a long time, but the Apostle Paul recognizes that this is something that's there, and he says, you know what, I, he says, um, uh, I need to comfort these folks, um, pray for them, help each other, uh, folks that are discouraged, they're losing hope, they see the numbers are great, uh, but you know what, uh, I do know this, that if God be for us, who can be against us, amen, uh, amen, and so... Not only do we see, he says, comfort the feeble-minded, but he says, support the weak. Uh, supporting the weak, now that kind of goes hand in hand with, with the comfort, but we see the supporting the weak was uh, uh, asking for help, asking for strength, asking uh, for folks to, uh, to make sure they extend that friendship, to extend the love, to love one another as I have loved you. Because listen, you know, there's folks that are going out fighting on the battlefield, and he says, you know what, they're out there, they're fighting, and they're tired, and they're wore out, and they're getting weak. You know, and listen, they, some folks, when you send out the battle, somebody's always got to be out there first before everybody else. Somebody's got to be on the front line. Does that make sense? 
Somebody's got to be on the front line. And he says, you know what? There's people that are out there. They're on the front line. And man, I tell you what, they're taking some beating. They're, 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 they're taking it hard, man. They're taking the brunt of the force. And as they are taking the brunt of the force, they are, they are getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And so what do they need? They need their brethren to come along and help them to stop being unruly, but to help them and encourage them and to engage themselves. Uh, and so he says, support the weak, uh, the weak in strength, the weak in mind, the weak in hope, the weak in faith, uh, all these different things. Now we move on to the next thing, and uh, he says, be patient towards all men. Now that one right there might just get us more than the rest of them. He says, uh, be patient towards all men. Um, you know, trying times come. And when those trying times come, one of the things we must do is we got to put wisdom to work, put wisdom and knowledge to work. And trying times come, and they come to us all. And the Apostle Paul knows uh, that these folks are facing some trying times. He knows what they've been through. He knows what they've dealt with. He sees the fight that they're in. He's engaged in the fight as well. And Timothy is down there, and he's engaged in the fight. So he understands what's going on, and he's trying to tell them. He says, listen, be patient towards all men. He says, you know what? I know you're down there fighting. I know you're down there struggling. I know you're down there. Uh, you're trying to spread the gospel. It is a difficult place to do it. The whole, the whole area is just saturated in paganism, saturated in demonism, uh, and, and, and people don't like the teachings of Christ. He says, but you keep pressing forward. Uh, be patient with all men because, hey, you know, at some point, and sometimes people got to be patient with you too, right? Yeah, and so we're patient with others um, because we need people to be patient with us. Uh, you know, sometimes we need to make sure that we are uh, exercising some, some uh, tolerability, uh, you know, in, in certain situations and, and trying to be patient with folks. And I think that's what we ought to do. But listen, uh, being patient with folks doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean uh, that you just let them run over you and take advantage of you and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but being patient with people. And sometimes that can be very difficult. Uh, but we see here, the Bible says, he says, be patient towards all men. He didn't just say towards the brethren, right? He says, be patient towards all men. Uh, and listen, sometimes you may have to be more patient towards the brethren than you do the, 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 the heathen out on the outside. Uh, but he says right here, he says, be patient towards all men because, hey, isn't our Lord long-suffering as well? Isn't he patient and long-suffering with us? Yes, he is. Uh, and so we should be patient long-suffering with each other. We should be patient long-suffering uh, towards, uh, towards the world as well to a degree, to a degree, not, you know, uh, getting crazy, but, but towards a degree we need to be patient. Uh, and so the Bible says there in verse 15, he says, see that none render evil for evil, Unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to what? All men. And so it says, see that none render evil for evil. That's, that's the payback, you know. He says, listen now, as God's people, he says, listen, I know you've been down there. You've had a hard time. I know things has been tough. And I know, listen, I know full well that it's easy to say in your hearts. It's easy to, to act it out to say, you know what? I'm going to get you one of these days. When the time is right, I'm going to get you. Uh, and, you know, um, I've learned uh, very early in life that doing what you can to let go of that stuff and just give it to God, it always works out better in the long run. Uh, you know, uh, a bitter heart would destroy you faster than any, any person can. 
a bitter heart will destroy your will destroy your your spirit, so to speak. It'll destroy your love. It'll destroy your forgiveness. It'll destroy you personally. Uh, it'll destroy your home. It'll destroy everything. Uh, and so the best thing to do is to just give it to God. The Bible says, "Vengeance is mine," saith the Lord. And so uh, we just give it to the Lord, and we let God do what He needs to do. The Bible says, "See that none render evil for evil." Unto any man. Uh, that's uh, the brethren uh, or the world on the outside. Now, we don't, I'm not saying that, you know, that the Bible says, well, I'm not saying here the Bible says if somebody breaks into your house, then, uh, then you know, you don't need to defend yourself. Just sit around and talk about this thing. I'm not, that's not what we're talking about. Listen, somebody tries to break into my house and they try to kill me. If I got my gun, you're going to die. That's just how it is. I'm going to shoot you dead right there, and I ain't going, and I ain't going to apologize for it. I'll feel bad about it that I had to do it. Uh, but I will, but I will kill you. Does that make sense? Is that good to say from the pulpit? I don't know, uh, but but I will defend myself and I will defend my family, uh, and that's okay if everybody knows about that, you know. And I think you should do the same thing if you got any sense. You'll do the same thing. But we're not saying that kind of render evil for evil. Um, listen, you have to defend yourself. Uh, but trying to get back at people and trying to have, and having a vengeful spirit, having a vengeful heart, uh, no. Uh, and so uh, it can be easy to go to that place. But we just got to make sure, I think, in our Christian lives, we don't allow ourselves to get there. Because uh, it would be easy to do. Uh, there in verse 15, he says, But ever follow that which is good, uh, both among yourselves and to all men. So do each other right, live right to yourselves, live right and do right to everybody else. Uh, there in verse 16, he says, Rejoice evermore. You know, I think one of the things he encourages them to do is to make sure that they, you know, in the midst of everything, that they rejoice you know, even in today's society, we see the way it is right now and all the different things that's going on. We still have a lot of causes to rejoice for. We still got a lot of things to praise God for. We still got a lot of things to be thankful for. We got a lot to rejoice for. Uh, and so he tells them, listen, make sure that you don't forget to rejoice. He says rejoice evermore. You know what that means? That means don't let it stop. Uh, uh, don't let the devil rob you of your joy. Don't let him do it. Don't let her do it. Don't let them do it. Don't let that do it. Man, rejoice because you got a lot to rejoice about. You got a lot to rejoice for. I know some days when they're more difficult than others and you may have to reach down in there a little bit deeper to pull the smile out and, uh, and to pull the joy out. But listen, don't let the devil rob you of it. Because, I tell you what, what does they say? It's a whole lot. It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Isn't that what they say? It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Listen, you wear yourself out quicker if you keep a frown on your face. Listen, you want to be energetic. You want to be loud. It was about Bible says laughter does the body good like a what? Medicine. It's a medicine. Uh, and so we see, he says, rejoice evermore. Don't let it stop. Whatever you do, don't let the world take your joy. Don't let the devil take your joy. Don't let the situations in life take your joy. There's always something to praise God for. There's always something to be thankful for. Rejoice evermore. Let rejoicing be a part of your life. Let it be like one of those second nature things that is about you. Rejoice evermore. What's the next thing? He says, what, what's the next thing he tells them to do? Listen, uh, what I want you to do is, is I, not only do I want you to rejoice, he says, but I want you to pray without ceasing. 
That's another big one. Man, don't stop. Continue in prayer. Now, we're not talking about every single second of the day. You've got to make sure that you're in constant prayer. I'm not saying that's a bad thing if you can do that. Uh, but what we see is, is he's just saying have an attitude of prayer that you don't forget to pray and that you continue to be uh, in prayer. Pray all the time. Whenever it is that you need to, whenever it is that you feel the urge to, Make sure that you are a person of prayer, someone that is constantly uh, lifting up God's people in, in all different kinds of ways, praying for folks to get saved, praying for the lost, praying for yourself, praying for all different kinds of things. He says pray uh, without ceasing. Uh, if there was one of the things that this, uh, that this country, this whole world needed uh, desperately, it is, for, uh, it is for God's people to pray without ceasing. Uh, it is for God's people to be on their knees and uh, lifting all different kinds of things up to him in prayer um, and asking for God's blessings. Uh, notice he says there in verse 18, he says, In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. Because there's always something to thank God for. You know, listen, the Bible says we came into this world with nothing. And we'll go out of this world with nothing too, right? Now, but what did Job say? Naked came I uh, into... What, naked came I into the world and, and what, naked I'll go out? Something like that. You know what I mean. That's Pastor Brian's paraphrase. But, but he says, and everything give thanks. Why? Because everything that we have in life belongs to the Lord. Everything. And so if we have it, we ought to give thanks for it. Because we could be without it. We could just be without it. And so in everything, give thanks for the big things, the small things, and everything in between. And everything give thanks. For what purpose? Notice he says, and, every, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So one of the things that you know that is the will of God, you say, what's the will of God? Well, there's, you can read throughout the scriptures and you just look up the, uh, the, the things that are the will of God and give you a list of stuff that's the will of God. These is, this is one of them. What is the will of God for your life? Well, one of those things is that you are a person that continually gives thanks. A person that continually gives thanks. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, because everything we have, uh, we owe to the Lord. Notice what else he says there in verse 19. He says, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Uh, having the idea to uh, put something out. Uh, it's kind of like throwing water on a fire, you know. Quench not the spirit. Let the don't hinder the spirit in your life. Uh, you ever you ever went somewhere one time, and you've been somewhere, and uh, you just felt like, man, that just kind of hindered the spirit there. Maybe somebody said something. Maybe somebody done something. It could be. It could be that you were having good Christian fellowship, and then somebody just walked in the door, and it almost seemed like just like that that everything changed. Has that ever happened to you before? It sure has. This happened to me one. This happened to me a couple of times. I remember one time I was preaching in a service, and uh, and it was like I was trying to preach, and I was man, it was like I was fighting the devil up here, and uh, and I was doing everything. It wasn't here. I was doing everything I could uh, to uh, to preach, and uh, man, I couldn't think clearly. Couldn't get couldn't get everything out right. About like tonight, couldn't get everything out right, and you know, and I was sitting there thinking, what in the world's going on? Here I am trying to preach this message while at the same time I'm trying to figure out what in the world's going on. You know, it's kind of hard to preach a message when you're also trying to figure out what's happening. And so here I am, I'm preaching, trying to get the message out, trying to get the word out. And lo and behold, it was, uh, I believe with all my heart, it was because a certain individual had come in. And I believe they just brought something in with them. And it just seemed to disturb the whole atmosphere of the church. 
I mean, it just seemed to mess everything up, seemed to disturb the whole atmosphere of the church. And, uh, and I battled it, and I battled it, and I said, you know what? I said, we're going to stop right here. And everybody just kind of looking at me like, what in the world's going on? I said, we're just going to stop right here. And I said, what we're going to do is, I said, there's something in here, and what we're going to do is we're going to pray that it leaves. And so that's what I did. We just prayed and uh, just asked God that he would take care of it. And, uh, and then it was over, maybe five, ten minutes, and then I went about preaching. Uh, and everything was fine. Uh, but I'm just telling you, listen, uh, you, we can quench the spirit. Uh, sometimes people can come in and quench the spirit. Sometimes you can have something great going on and all of a sudden uh, maybe somebody does something or somebody says something or whatever takes place. And it just seems like it just hinders the spirit. God was working. God was moving. God was doing something. And then all of a sudden the, the spirit just gets hindered and you're just like, what in the world? Uh, listen, there are people that are like that. There are people that just hinder the Spirit of God. Uh, It's like it follows them and it carries with them. They just hinder the Spirit. They hinder the work of God. Uh, And so he says, quench not the Spirit. Capital S there, talking about the Holy Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Uh, And he says, despise not prophesying. So what is he talking about? Uh, You know, he's talking about the idea that, you know, well, uh, when we're prophesying, talking about preaching, and so he says, you know what, don't get to this place in your life where you say, you know what, I've arrived, I've got where I need to be, and I just find this whole preaching thing boring now, you know. I don't need to really hear anymore what God's got to say. I'm fine, I'm saved, and I'm on my way to heaven, you know, and I'm okay, I've grown up enough. Listen, if you think you've grown up enough, then you're probably just still a baby. All right, That's, let's just put it that way. If you think that you don't need to hear the word of God anymore and you don't think church is important anymore and you don't think any of that's important anymore, then you're probably smaller than what you really think. Uh, and so the Bible says, despise not prophesyings, you know. Uh, be a part of the service. Be a part of the church. You are the church. And so be a part of it. Uh, be there, as the Bible says. Uh, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. Don't despise the preaching, uh, but listen to what the Word of God is trying to say. You know, oftentimes people, they, they get mad at the preacher for saying different things. Well, the preacher said this, and the preacher said that, and he's talking about me. I know he is, and, and he's preaching on my sin or whatever. You know, I know he's just talking about me, and I have no idea. You know, listen, uh, I get it too. Uh, God just steps on my foot before I bring it to y'all. You know, you've heard that before. Uh, And listen, sometimes, listen, God knows what we all need to hear. Amen. God knows what's going on in all of our lives. And so he says, listen, don't despise the preacher. Listen, you know how many times I've had people, you know how many times I've had people tell me, uh, uh, preacher, I know you had to have been talking about me. Uh, Preacher, I I know that uh, that had something to do with me. And I'm like, listen, I had no idea what you're talking about. Uh, You know, I'm telling you. God knows what we all need to hear. God knows what we're all dealing with. And so he says, listen, don't, uh, don't get mad about that. Don't get, uh, listen, uh, the preacher, he's just, a, if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, now I guess you'll have some that'll get up and out of spot, you know, say stuff. But uh, you just preach what you're supposed to preach and do what you're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, God says, don't get mad about that. Despise not the prophet's signs. Listen, it's the word of God. The, the word of God, man, sometimes it comes down like a hammer, uh, you know, and sometimes it's like a, Sometimes it's like that, uh, that, that nourishment that we really need in our life. You know, it can be both ways. There in verse 21, he says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Prove all things. What's that mean? He says, listen, what I encourage you to do is that uh, just, like he told the other, just like he told other folks, he says, search the scriptures for yourself. Prove all things. Listen, just because it comes across the pulpit doesn't always mean that it's right. Okay? 
doesn't always mean that it's right. Now, I promise to the good Lord, and, and, and y'all have my heart on this, and I, hopefully y'all know me well enough to know, that I would never purpose, purposefully lead anybody in the wrong direction. But I'm not a perfect man. Amen? I'm not a perfect man. But I would never purposefully lead people in the wrong direction. Uh, but, you know, I'm not a perfect person, you know, and hopefully I don't ever say anything that's wrong, and I try to do my due diligence, and I try to study and pray about everything that I preach on and study and, uh, and give it to folks. Uh, but the Bible says, listen, ultimately, what do you need to do? Search the Scriptures for yourself. Search the Scriptures for yourself. Listen, don't just take everything that comes across the pulpit as, uh, as, as, the, uh, as the God's honest truth, even though you can have the most faithful, the most uh, determined, and the most honorable man behind the pulpit doing everything he can to teach you right. You still need to search the Scriptures for yourself. Amen? The Apostle Paul told the people they needed to do that uh, behind him, okay? Uh, and so... Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And he said, listen, when you know something to be true, hang on to it. Hang on to it. When you know something's right, when you know something's true, when you know something's good, if you already know it to be true, then don't get tossed to and fro. Uh, don't let other people waver you back and forth. You know, if you know it's right, you know it's darkly sound, you know it's true, then, uh, then don't let anybody waver you back and forth on it. Uh, hold to that which is good. If you've heard that which is good and you know that which is good, then hold to that which is good. Amen? Amen. All right. There in verse 22, he says, Abstain from all appearances of evil. And isn't that a... Uh, isn't that a big one? Now, I tell you what, uh, abstain from all appearances of evil. That right there will get us all. Uh, we look around this world we see today. I don't know if you can look too much of anywhere. You probably have to hide out in your room in the dark uh, without seeing anything uh, because we walk around this world today just about everywhere you go, about everywhere you look, about everything you listen to, there's some evil all around it. I mean, I tell you what, that's a difficult thing right there. But I tell you what, as God's people, uh, we need to make sure we do the best that we can because the devil is so busy, the devil is so active on every single part of our life and all out here in the world. The devil's in the details. I mean, he is all over it. And he's doing everything he can to twist the minds and, and, and to turn the heads and to, to blind the eyes and all these different things that he can to, uh, to push all this, to push his agenda uh, to the world and uh, and to God's people. And so he says, abstain from it. That means stay away from it. Uh, you know, don't, uh, uh, if something's defined as evil and wicked, if something's looked at as evil and wicked, uh, then uh, by all means, stay away from it. At least you become a stumbling block to others. Amen? I mean, I think that's, I think that's what it should be. Uh, we don't always do the best in that in our lives, but the Bible tells us what we ought to do. Abstain from all appearances of evil, not just a little bit, but... Uh, but all of it, abstain from all of it. There in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there in verse 23, uh, he says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now, holy. Sanctify means to be set apart and to, uh, uh, to be continuously uh, be made holy, a process of sanctification. So you have been saved, you have been sanctified, but now you are growing in grace, growing in the knowledge of the Lord. And so he says, the God of peace sanctify you wholly. Uh, every part of you, be holy in every aspect of your life. He didn't just say 
halfly or just a little bitly, uh, he says holy. In other words, in every part of your life, God saved you. You've been sanctified. Now what you need to do is to continually to be sanctified, to be a holy person. Because what did God say? Be you holy as the preacher's holy, as he is holy. Be you holy as he's holy. Be you holy as she's holy. No. Be holy as I'm holy. Not me, God. Be holy as I'm holy. Uh, And so he says there in verse 23, uh, the God of peace sanctify you wholly. Continue to grow in the knowledge and grace of God. Continue uh, uh, to be, live your life righteously and to be a holy person. And he says, and I pray God, watch this now, and we're going to see the triunity of man. He says, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, not just some of it, but the whole thing, that your whole spirit, small s there, talking about you, your spirit, the whole spirit and soul and body, that's the triunity of man. He says, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so every part of you, body, soul, and spirit, The spirit, the part that communes, the innermost part of you that communes with God, uh, your soul, your seat of imagination and thought and reasoning, and your body, the outside, your flesh. He says, listen, every part of it, every part of it, let it be holy to God. Your mind, your thinking, your reasoning, your thoughts, which deals with your soul, let it be holy to God. Your spirit. Uh, that communes with God, that that is uh, speaking to the Lord, the innermost part of yourself. uh, Make sure that it is cleansed and purified and right with God. Uh, Your your flesh, make sure that whatever you're doing in your body is well-pleasing in the sight of God. Listen, when God saved you, He didn't just save your spirit, He didn't just save your soul, and then He didn't just save your mind. He saved every part of you. Does that make sense? And because he owns every part of you, body, soul, and spirit, he desires for it to all be clean and righteous and holy for him. Amen? That's your body, your soul, your spirit. The whole deal, the whole thing. Because God bought you, all of you, not just a part of you. And he says, May it be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And so as he continues to talk about this living holy, as he continues to talk about, hey, you got saved, and so the Lord is uh, uh, telling you that you need to live a holy life, your soul, your spirit, your mind, every single part of you. He says, listen, I got good news. He says, I know that you fight this battle with the flesh. Paul says himself, listen, the things that I don't want to do are the things that I do, and the things that I want to do are the things that I don't do. Paul knows this fight. He knows how strong this battle of the flesh is. But he also says, listen, uh, I got good news for you. This is the standard that God has set. Be holy in your mind. Be holy in your body. Be holy in your spirit. I know that you're still fighting this war in the flesh. But the good news is, is that God's going to help you do it. You don't have to do it by yourself. Man, praise God. I tell you what, if for, for God to expect a sinful man uh, to live a complete, holy, uh, righteous life with no sin and be pleasing to him without any help at all, I believe that would be a God that's asking too much for us because it would be impossible for us to do. However, the Apostle Paul says, you don't have to do it on your own. I can help you. 
You don't have to do it on your own. He says, I can help you. There in verse uh, 24, he says, Faithful, faithful is he, talking about God. Faithful is he that calleth you, who, talking about the Lord again, who will also do it. And so uh, after salvation, he that has saved you and has made you holy will help you to be steadfast and victorious as you continue to strive to live a holy life. The one that's called you to be holy will help you to live a holy life. You don't have to do it on your own. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me and that we are more than conquerors. Amen? That's exactly right. And so we're not on our own. Listen, sometimes we feel that way. We're fighting the devil. We're fighting our flesh. We're fighting the world. And sometimes we have this, this idea. We get this thinking in our mind. Man, I feel like I'm fighting this thing all on my own. I'm praying for strength and I don't feel like I'm getting it. And we feel like that we are on our last leg. We feel like that we are just, uh, that, that, we're, that we're in the pit and we're wondering, can I even do this thing? Yes, you can. Because God said that he'll help you. God said he'll give you victory. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. If God has called you to live a holy life, God will help you to live a holy life. Amen. Because where God leads, God provides. And if he's leading you to live a holy life, God will help to provide you the strength and the power and the wisdom and everything that you need to live that kind of life if you so seek to follow in his path. Amen. That's right. And so we seek him and... Uh, uh, and we uh, live for him, and God helps us. All right, let's hurry. Last few verses. He says, brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. So once again, mentioning prayer, um, he tells us there in verse 17 to pray without ceasing. There in verse 25, uh, he mentions a little bit more specific. He says, brethren, pray for us. Uh, because he, Paul, the apostle Paul knows that as he's in this fight with the devil, as he's in this fight with uh, uh, the world, the religious system that's out here doing everything it can to, to, to tear everything that, uh, that he's teaching apart and the other disciples. Uh, he says, you know what, we need prayer. We need to be saturated in prayer. Uh, you know, it's, um, uh, having somebody pray for you is no small thing. You've heard me say this before. When somebody tells me that they're praying for me, uh, I, I, don't, I don't just cast that off to the side. I don't, just, um, uh, I don't just let that go through one ear and out the other. It really means something to me. So when somebody says, you know what, preacher, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you, uh, I take note of that, and it really means a lot to me because, listen, we all need prayer. Amen. And anytime somebody will bring your name up before the throne room of God, that's special. That's special. Uh, and so he says, brethren, pray for us. Verse 26, greet all the brethren with what? A holy kiss. That's what we ought to do on Sunday mornings now. Everybody comes in, we just kiss everybody to death. Verse 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And that's what they did back then, you know, not wasn't anything intimate or anything like that. They usually kiss each other on the forehead or on the cheeks or something like that. Um, but anyways, verse 27, he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Because see, even though he knew that Thess the Thessalonians were going through some, uh, some uh, things here in their, uh, in their area, he also knew that everything that he had to say here was good for everybody. Uh, you know, that he knew that they were fighting some things, they were dealing with some things, but everything that he said was good for everybody to hear, not just the Thessalonians, but it was good for everybody. And so he says, let this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Everybody that's there in Thessalonica, everybody that is able to hear it, everybody that is willing to hear it, let this epistle be read. And hey, we are carrying that out right now. Amen. We're not in Thessalonia, uh, but we uh, are in Evington, Virginia, and we are reading this epistle. And this epistle wasn't just good for the Thessalonians. 
it is good for us too. Amen? Uh, and so we can see how God's Word transcends time. doesn't matter if it was 2,000 years ago or if it's 2021. It is good for all of us. Uh, there, the last part, he says, And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, we end First Thessalonians uh, on that note, and we're going to begin Second Thessalonians uh, next Wednesday. And uh, there's a lot in Second Thessalonians. We actually talk about the man of sin, and um, there in chapter two and verse eight, and uh, get into a little bit of that kind of stuff. A lot of different neat things that's coming up uh, that we're going to get into in his second epistle. Uh, and so we'll start that next week. So go ahead and read ahead if you like. Uh, if you like doing that, and we'll go over a few things. Uh, probably cover the first chapter. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, we thank you so much once again for your blessings. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would um, just help us tonight as we get ready to leave this evening. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will uh, guide us all, Lord, lead us and direct us all in our life. God, we need it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, this evening as we go out into the world and we try to be a light and we try to witness to folks and uh, Lord, just as we just try to live the Christian life, Lord, all of us, we, uh, all of us f- have challenges. We all face battles. God, we all need work. And um, Lord, lots of folks uh, today are struggling with all different kinds of things, uh, whether it's spiritually or, or any, in any way. Uh, so God, we need some help. Uh, Lord, help us to make sure that we are doing what the Apostle Paul said to do uh, here in his book, uh, that we... Uh, are living like we need to, serving like we need to, that we are engaged like we need to, and that we're loving like we need to, and um, unified like we need to be. Uh, Lord, that's how we achieve. That's how we have victory. Uh, God, I pray that you would continue to be with our folks this week. Lord, strengthen them, encourage them, and bring us all back to our next appointed time here on Sunday. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.